0: Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of towering grass. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling.
1: And today our topic is bamboo, the miracle plant.
0: <laughs>
1: I didn't see in my research anyone calling it the miracle plant, but that's that's my name for it because this stuff is amazing. Wow, oh, That's a great name for it. I can't believe that's not
0: already the nickname for bamboo. Yeah, it's... Unlike anything else, it's, it's got so many cool properties. Yeah. Bamboo is found all over Japan and is widely used. For all sorts of stuff. Um, it's an important raw material, but it's also important culturally in Japan as well.
1: Yeah. It's super strong, but also very flexible. It has a super sturdy root structure, more stable than most trees, which is kind of crazy because it's just just grows straight up, really skinny-like. It doesn't have this
0: huge trunk or anything,
1: but... Surprisingly stable.
0: Yeah, just looking at the bamboo grove from the top, it's going to look like not the most sturdy stuff in the world, but Mm -hmm. impressive root structure holds it all together. Yeah, and it has
1: become a symbol of prosperity, strength, purity, innocence, loyalty, all sorts of positive stuff in Japan.
0: Yeah, I didn't see like any negative associations with bamboo. No. It was all positive stuff. For sure should also mention the
1: Japanese word for bamboo
0: is take. The English word for bamboo, which is bamboo, comes from Dutch or Portuguese. Oh, I didn't know that. But uh, linguist believes it, uh, it was lifted from Malay. Malay, like in uh, Malaysian. close battle? Malaysian. Oh, okay. Cool. Malaysian people speak Malay. So that's how we got bamboo. Definitely doesn't sound like an English word, but it's not a Japanese yeah. word either. So
1: what is bamboo? Well, Paul kind of spoiled one of the big facts at the beginning. Bamboo's a grass, if you can believe that. Yeah. Even if you can't believe it, it's still a grass. It's the largest of all grasses, in fact. And it's an evergreen plant. Mm. There are around 1,500 kinds of bamboo in the world, over 600 of which can be found in Japan.
0: Yeah, one of uh, what I always thought of the defining characteristics of bamboo is that it's hollow. Mm -hmm. Well, all grass is hollow, so that's just a normal thing for grasses. But bamboo just happens to be the biggest grass, and it gets really hard, which makes it seem different from other grasses.
1: So you're telling me that grass in American yards is hollow? It
0: is. Huh.
1: I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Cool. So yeah, it's a hollow tube. I mean, we should describe what a single a culm of bamboo is. A culm is the the single, you know, stalk. Perfect. That's the perfect word. Stalk. A culm is the technical word, I suppose, for a stalk of bamboo, a single one. And they are hollow, but they're nodes. Like if you've you've seen a piece of bamboo, it's kind of divided into sections. There are little horizontal lines across it. Those are the nodes. And this structure, I mean, cylinders, the shape of a cylinder is super strong, right? So the way that the bamboo is built makes it super strong, but also very light and flexible. And those properties have a
0: lot to do with why it's such an amazing, versatile material. Yeah. And bamboo is pretty common. It grows all over most of the world. Except Canada and Europe, I noticed, are less. Except for gardens. (laughs) It grows well in gardens. That's a fun word. (laughs) Yeah, no native species in Europe or Canada, but they're almost everywhere else. There are native bamboos in like the southeastern United States. I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know if they get like the 30-foot tall ones, but I didn't I oh, didn't man. really look into it. But there are bamboos in America. Yeah. Did you see they even
1: grow in snowy mountainous regions, like in the Himalayas and in India? Yeah. They grow in such a wide
0: variety of habitats, it seems.
1: Yeah. I mean, they've evolved to resist all sorts of wildly different climates. It's pretty amazing. And... All these different varieties are all sorts of different sizes, and they grow at different speeds. One thing they all have in common is that they do not taper. They are columnar. They go straight up. They don't get narrower at the top. They're the same width all the way up. And some of them can be as much as 20 centimeters in diameter. That's almost eight inches. That's ridiculous. It's huge. That's huge bamboo. I've never seen anything even close to that.
0: Yeah, I don't think I have either. I've definitely seen like three, four inches or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's probably the more common types in Japan that you'll see like at gardens and stuff.
0: Yeah. Some of
1: them can even grow up to 30 meters high, almost a hundred feet high. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That just shows how strong those roots are. You know, How can you have this piece of bamboo shooting up that high in the air without just falling over? They're extremely sturdy.
0: Yeah. And they don't branch out at all until they're pretty much done growing and they might get a few branches and leaves at the top. Yeah, they pretty
1: much just shoot straight up. That's most of their growing life is just going straight up.
0: One big,
1: straight, smooth column. Yeah. Which brings me to one of the awesomest facts about bamboo is how fast some of these species grow. They can grow as much as a meter a day. That's over three feet in a single 24-hour period. I did the math. Find out how fast that is per hour. Blow my mind. I will. Soak this in, Paul. There are types of bamboo that can grow over one and a half inches per hour. Wow. You could just sit there and watch bamboo grow right in front of you.
0: Like, how does it even get enough nutrients that quickly to grow that fast? It's amazing. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah, you could just, if you mark it, if you like put it next to a wall and mark it. Get back an hour and a half, hour later, and it's like an inch and a half taller. I just can't even... I can't even imagine. It's crazy. Wow. You, five, every five minutes you'd
1: look up and it'd be noticeably taller. Like I said, the miracle plant, right? That's <sighs> pretty miraculous. It's a miracle. Yeah. So the ones that grow this fast are obviously at the extremes. Not all of these 1,500 or so types of bamboo are going to grow that fast. And most of them aren't going to be, you know, as big as the biggest ones. There, there are a bunch of different types of bamboo that just look like grass. There's a category known as dwarf
0: bamboos that they look more like grass. If you were just to come across them, they're like, oh,
1: there's some tall grass.
0: Yeah. And I saw that the commonly cultivated bamboos in moderate climates grow between like one and four inches a day on average. Mm, yeah. Okay. Which is still fast, but uh, yeah. not quite as insanely fast as some upper tier growers. Yeah. So let's go into some detail
1: on the life cycle of bamboo because it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Bamboo is just really, really unique plants. Yeah. It's just different than a lot of what I've learned about before. Definitely. Miracle
1: plant stands apart. But where does a new bamboo uh, column come from, Jason? From underground rhizomes. A rhizome is this sort of growth underground. Ginger. For example, ginger is a rhizome, like the part that you eat, that grows underground and there are roots that come out from that. And then there's a plant part, a green part that pops up out of that comes out of the ground. And you could have different green parts sprouting out of different parts of the ginger popping through the soil. That's how bamboo works. Same kind of idea. So you have all these different columns popping up from this same rhizome. And there are actually two types, two ways this can happen. There are dense clumps where the rhizome is pretty centralized and it very slowly expands outward as it grows. Or there are types of bamboo that can send out
0: runners, which are like little... Like extensions yeah. of the root system.
1: Yeah, so those types of bamboo can expand outwards much faster. They can send these little runners out and pop up you know, a ways away from the main rhizome. Yeah,
0: so all of these bamboo stalks that you see are
1: clones. Right. You could almost even think of them as the same plant. I mean, they're all connected through this rhizome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like a macro organism. hmm But you can, like, cut one off and move it and replant it somewhere else. Right. And it becomes its own plant then, I guess. Right. But genetically identical, right? Yeah, exactly. So then it becomes a clone if it gets cut off, maybe, technically. Yeah, But anyway, it's the same. It's the same plant.
1: Yeah. So when you have that thing that's popping up out of the ground, coming from that rhizome, that's what's known as the bamboo shoot in Japanese, called a takenoko, which we have mentioned before in that fun drinking game. Right? Remember? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the takenoko pops out of the ground, and the culm, the stem, the... What was the word you used? Stalk. The stalk reaches for the sky, like we said. Without branching out, it's just going to shoot straight up as fast as it can until it's almost at its full height. And that process takes only a single growing season, like three to four months.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's done growing.
1: Yeah. Once it's really tall, like Paul mentioned earlier, it can produce fine branches with leaves. And those are always going to sprout out from those nodes, the little horizontal lines kind of dividing the sections of the bamboo. And once it does that, once the branches are popped out, The column is going to very slowly harden over the next couple years. And during that period, it's resistant to decay and stays resistant to decay for a few years afterwards. This is that time period where you're going to want to harvest that bamboo if you're going to use it for making things out of it.
0: Yeah, I heard like between three and seven years old was like the time that's when you harvest bamboo. Exactly. Depending on the species, they can have different periods of when they're
1: best. So they're harvested when they're at their maximum height and minimum sap. Bamboo does have sap. And then once it's cut down, the sap is leached out. And there are various methods of doing that. One of them is you you chop it down and then you just lay it there against the rest of the bamboo, kind of standing up so that it can continue photosynthesizing. And that kind of uses up the rest of the sap. There are also ways of leaching the sap out by standing them up in water or forcing water through them even. To Get the sap out. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you ever hold bamboo, like as a finished product, you, you just don't imagine sap or anything sticky on it. Right. It just seems like this dry, hard wood. Yeah. But you can kind of,
1: if you look at the end of cut bamboo, you can kind of see these pores. I'm thinking that must be where the sap comes in, you know? Probably, yeah. That's where it would live. So if you don't cut the bamboo down... You just let it continue along its normal natural path. Over the next several years, after that perfect harvesting period, it's going to become overcome by fungi, mold, lichen, etc., until it loses strength and collapses, and becomes food for future growth. Yeah. So there you go.
0: The life cycle of bamboo. Yep. But wait, they're all clones of each other. Mm-hmm. How does bamboo propagate new generations? That's a very good
1: question, Paul. Most plants have flowers and they produce some sort of fruit and the fruit has seeds and the seeds are what creates new plants, right? Bamboo does actually flower. I've never seen a bamboo flower. I'd never even heard of that before we started researching this. And actually most people, even people that are around bamboo all the time, have probably only very, very rarely, if ever, seen bamboo flowers. Yeah. What's the reason for that? Because for many types of bamboo, flowering only occurs every several decades, potentially even over a century.
0: Yeah, I've heard that for many species, the intervals like 65 to 120 years right, is like not uncommon. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's, yeah, you might not even see that in your lifespan.
1: Yeah, there are some species of bamboo that can blossom as much as once every
0: three years, but that's not the norm. And... You may be thinking, well, if it blossoms once every 65 years, but there's a hundred plants around, you would see some flowering bamboo, right? But it doesn't work like that, that,
1: does it? No, it doesn't. Because all of the bamboo flowers at the same time. Now, this, I I made sure to research this in depth a little bit because that seemed a little confusing. Like, does that mean all bamboo of a single species flowers at the same time? I believe Not, not. Not necessarily. So, like we said, most bamboo, most of those combs that pop up are clones of each other. Mm-hmm. So, the most accurate way to say it is that bamboo of the same stock blossoms together at the same time. And what that means is that all of those bamboo, if they're the same stock, that means they came from the same original plant. So, you could have a rhizome that you know, grows and then you cut off a piece of it and you transport it somewhere else in the world and you plant that. Those two different groups of bamboo are part of the same stock. They're related to each other.
0: They have these same genetics. They're clones. Right,
1: right. So there's something encoded into their DNA that tells them when to flower.
0: Yeah, and they flower at the same time. Even if they've been separated for decades and one is in the tropics and another one's like in the Himalayas, vastly different climates, yeah. they will flower at the same time. That is crazy. It's incredible. That and the speed that bamboo grows are my two favorite facts about bamboo. That's crazy. Yeah. They're both like two extreme things that you just don't see in biology very often or if anywhere else. Yeah. So once the bamboo flowers and produces its fruit, they generally die pretty quickly afterwards. Right. So All all of it. A whole grove, because often the whole grove is all related. It's all from the same ribosome to start with. So the whole grove will die at the same time because it flowered. And then you've got to wait around for the new bamboos to grow. Right. And that can cause
1: some problems for multiple reasons. So the blossoms are actually seen as harbingers of bad luck because of all the bad things that can happen when all the bamboo dies. So if you're harvesting the bamboo, obviously, if it all dies, you're not going to have a good
0: harvest. You're not going
1: to be able to use it for making all the things that bamboo is super useful for
0: making. Not just that, even the next spring, once the bamboo starts sprouting, you need to wait three more years at least Mm -hmm. for all of that bamboo to mature. So you're going to be without bamboo possibly for years. Yeah. The
1: age of the rhizome matters too, right? Yeah. you, You can't plant seeds, have a new rhizome, even though that bamboo is going to grow in that first year it might not be usable for processing and making things out of it for several more years.
0: Yeah, and like before globalization, like if your local bamboo grove just died and you had to wait years, you're just out of that resource for a long time. So it was never a good sign for people that the bamboo is flowering. Right. Another major problem
1: is that rodent populations explode after all this bamboo dies because they eat the seeds. And I mean, just imagine this huge bamboo grove all of them produce seeds. All of them die. There are tons of seeds around.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a big section of the forest that usually doesn't create fruit or food. All of a sudden creates all this fruit and food, and the rodents just go nuts.
1: Yeah. And then after they're done with the bamboo seeds, they're going to eat everything else around, including crops, grains, stored food. Like, they could actually lead to famine in a community because they just eat all the available food and there's nothing left for people.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to like guard against rats. Yeah. You know, like you can just chase a wolf away from your sheep or whatever, but you can't catch every rat trying to sneak onto your field. Yeah. And they bring diseases with them too. Right. So they can spread bubonic plague and other things like that when they're swarming through your village. Yeah.
1: Bad news. Yeah. Paul, did you see that there have actually been reports in the last year from central to southern Japan about people seeing bamboo blossoms all over the place? No. Yeah. Oh, wow. I haven't seen like what the result of that is, but there might be some bad times coming for bamboo in Japan. Ah. Yeah, I read there was actually a big dying out in the 60s, too, at some point. I think it was about a third of the bamboo in Japan of this particular species
0: died. So that was a big problem. Yeah, I mean, the way bamboo is cultivated, if it's been cultivated for a while, I bet so much of that bamboo is related that they're cultivating. Yeah. You know, and I I don't even know, but like a bamboo farm, it might all be the same one.
1: Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, for most species, it's not necessarily an entire species that all blossoms and dies at once. But a lot of times it is a huge proportion of that species. Yeah. Because most species have been spread all over the world, not by the seeds, but by cutting them and, you know, moving
0: pieces of the rhizomes around. Yeah. And just the way farming works, you know, they're selecting the bamboos that they like the best and everybody's probably growing that same one because yeah. it's the best for something. Right. Right. Pretty cool.
1: Miracle plant.
0: Oh, that's I'm unbelievable. I'm just going to keep saying that.
1: It's a miracle plant. <laughs> No one can change my mind. So let's talk about the many amazing uses of this miracle plant, Paul.
0: Yeah. Bamboo charcoal has been used in Japan as fuel for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't really have a history section
1: in this episode because how do you talk about the history of a plant, right? But I did see that because of those super strong roots that we've talked about throughout Japanese history: People were told to run into bamboo groves during an earthquake because people noticed that a lot of times bamboo was like the only thing left standing after an earthquake. Isn't that cool?
0: Yeah, yeah. Run to the bamboo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a tree might fall on you, but bamboo's is going to sway, right? That's smart. Yeah. So if we want to go way back, as far oh, as I you could got find, even more stuff. They have excavated. Bamboo baskets dating to the late Jamon period in Japan, which is 2000 to 1000 BC. Yeah. So we're talking 3000 plus year old bamboo baskets yeah. in Japan. So it goes way back. I'm sure even farther than that, they've been making tools out of it. Yeah. I mean, with such a versatile resource, I'm sure it's been used for a lot of human and maybe even prehuman history.
1: Did prehumans make tools? I don't know.
0: Yes. I mean, it depends what you call a human. Things before Homo sapiens definitely made tools, yeah. but you might call them humans too. I don't have Anyways. a personal uh, definition of human versus pre-human, but. <laughs> um, Bamboo is used a lot in architecture um, mm-hmm. around the world. Um, in Japan, it's not used as much as a building material. Just because there's so much high-quality timber readily available in Japan. Right, right. Um, so it's
1: not used like as a primary building material, right. but it is, it is used a lot in supplemental or decorative ways. Yeah. So like, what would you make with bamboo? You could use it to make gates, fences, decorations inside traditional homes a lot of times are made out of bamboo. There are a lot of different ways they can be used for little decorations. And flooring material, too. I saw recently that's kind of been more of a trend.
0: And I saw... This makes a lot of sense. Gutters as it's hollow oh, inside. You a bamboo sense. in half and it's like the perfect uh, gutter, just ready to go. Miracle plant. <laughs> and you see like in uh Japanese gardens, little bamboo might be the, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the. It's called fa- the Shishi Odoshi. <laughs> I believe you. that's what you're going for. Yes. Yes. What is that?
1: Okay. These things are really cool. You see them all over Japan, sometimes in Japanese gardens. Shishio-doshi means a deer scarer, basically.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. I thought it was just like a thing that makes a pretty noise. and I thought it was like a Zen thing. Right, like a nice peaceful atmosphere it kind of creates. But So basically what it is, you take a length of bamboo, one end of that bamboo is closed, and then one end is open so that it can hold water. And you have this piece of bamboo on a pivot. The closed end is resting on a rock, And the other end has water dripping into it. Like you'd have a a little fountain sort of thing dripping water into the open end of the bamboo. So what happens is as the bamboo fills up with water, its center of gravity shifts towards the open end. And then it's going to tip over and it's going to pour out the water. It's going to come back up. It's going to hit the rock and make this really satisfying thunk sort of sound. And the process
0: starts again. Yeah, and it's... Pretty rhythmic too. Like it takes about the same time to fill up every time, right? So every thirty seconds or whatever, you just kind of get the thunk. Yeah, thunk, is, you know. I mean,
1: it is really a nice, peaceful sound when you're hanging out in the garden and you hear that. Like you got the nice trickle of the water, and then every once in a while, this nice, yeah,
0: tonal bamboo sound, yeah, like the hard bamboo tapping wood. It's it's a natural sound.
1: Yeah, but if you were a deer. And you were trying to eat something in that garden and you hear that sound, you might think it's some predator coming up, so you might run away. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's, that's
0: awesome. It is awesome. That's super inventive. Yeah. They invented that for a reason. Like, now we just enjoy it for what it is, but, like, that was a tool. Yeah, yeah.
1: Bamboo is also used in making all sorts of little handicrafts. When I was in Arashiyama, which is a area of Kyoto, I stumbled across this store that sold exclusively things made out of bamboo, all sorts of things, cups, umbrellas, chopsticks, kitchen utensils, trays, different types of containers, all sorts of stuff. Really cool place. They even, when I walked in there, they served me tea in a little bamboo cup. Like I'm just walking around and, and the storekeeper comes up to me with a little tray and That's awesome. some tea. That's awesome. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. It can yeah. also be
1: used for making dippers, like you see at shrines at the uh, water purification place, to scoop up some water. Those are often made out of bamboo. can be used to make noodle trays, spice dispensers, combs, toothpicks, really anything you could think of.
0: A lot of kitchen utensils, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, the shimoji, the little wooden or bamboo paddle you use to serve rice. Mm, yep, they yep. make that out of bamboo, sometimes wood. Those are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're making sushi, oh, um, man, you're going right? to roll it with a bamboo mat. Yes. They've got bamboo baskets. I got some cool stuff
1: about those baskets. I looked pretty deep into those. <laughs> All right. Hit me. So like you said, they've been found dating back to 1000 to 2000 BC, mm-hmm. super long time ago. And that art has been refined in amazing ways, man. So think of like woven baskets in the West. A lot of times. There may be like an inch wide strips that are kind of woven into this basket. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe people put magazines or something in there. That's what my parents use it for. They put their newspaper and magazines into a basket like that. Right. Never seen them used for like cooking in the West. Yeah. In Japan though, I mean, they have one similar to that, but bamboo can be split so finely that there are baskets where they're using these extremely thin strips To weave really intricate detailed designs. It's super amazing. Like if you were far enough away from this basket. You might think that it was made out of clay. Like a clay vase sort of thing.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: And I read that it can take months to make a single basket. Because of all the detail and all the planning that goes into it. And they can sell for thousands and thousands of dollars. These are serious baskets. I even saw that they can use those same techniques. To make other very detailed things. I saw a bowler hat. Made out of woven bamboo, they can make all sorts of shapes and curves and stuff because it's so flexible but still so strong.
0: Wow. Yeah. A bamboo hat. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. All sorts of boxes, like just really ornate. You got to look them up. Just Google bamboo boxes or baskets or something. It's amazing. And if you split bamboo finely enough, it can even be used to make ropes or even fabric. Like you can split bamboo so finely, it's like a thread. That you can weave into fabric.
0: Yeah, I've seen like bamboo shirts and stuff. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Miracle plant. Miracle. Also used in Kendo. Yes. Japanese uh, sword fighting martial art. Mm-hmm. The uh, swords they use uh, called Shinai are made from bamboo. Yep. Also in another Japanese
1: martial art, Kyudo, which is like a bow and arrow sort of martial art. Uh, bamboo
0: is used to make the Yumi, the bow. And the arrows sometimes, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, that as well. I didn't know Yumi was Japanese for bow, but uh, in games I've played, there's been like bows called Yumi, Mm. you know, and I never really got it. Yeah. Uh, Now I get it. Yeah, cool. (laughs) It's just literally called bow. Yeah. Also, there's the shakuhachi, which is a wind instrument made from bamboo. Yeah, kind of looks like a recorder. Yeah. In the
1: U.S., people play recorders in elementary school. Did you, did you learn to play the recorder in like fourth grade or something?
0: Um, I wouldn't say learned, but yeah, like (laughs) very briefly we played with recorders. It was, it was cool to like learn. You put your fingers here, you can make a different noise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you're familiar with a recorder, it's
1: very similar to that. You know, you got a, a tube made out of bamboo. You put one end in your mouth and there are all these holes drilled into it. You
0: put your fingers over to change the tone. Yep. And bamboo's also long been used in Japanese cuisine. Yes. Specifically bamboo shoots. Miracle the shoots that plant, are
1: Oh, a miracle plant. How many plants are there that you can use for building, making all this
0: stuff, but
1: also for eating?
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. The variety of things you can do with it is just incredible. Yeah. From eating it, to building with it, to making clothes with it, to uh, everything. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah. You can see why it's become such an important part of Japan, Japanese culture and life. Yeah. I mean, it's such an abundant versatile
1: resource and it's super sustainable you know it grows so fast that you you don't need to
0: worry about wiping out bamboo you can be eating bamboo out of a bamboo bowl (laughs) sitting on a bamboo chair using
1: bamboo chopsticks yeah (laughs) with a bamboo comb in your hair wearing bamboo
0: clothes (laughs) How many levels of bamboo can you happen at one, like bamboo to the 10th power? Yeah. You can
1: use it for anything. <laughs> so for eating, let's get into this because this is pretty interesting, I think, too. You said you can only eat the shoots, right? You're not eating the fully grown bamboo, the same kind of stuff that you're making things out of. You're eating these nice little tender pieces of bamboo right as they pop out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. Long before it's even thought about hardening up. Yeah. Don't eat them raw, though. Right. Oh, and I also want to say there are only 110 species of bamboo that are safe to eat at all, but even those ones contain a toxin called taxophyllin that when you eat it and it goes down into your belly, it turns into cyanide, which is extremely toxic and can kill you in high enough concentrations. But they're actually, they're pretty easy to process to make them edible. Usually you just boil them, basically.
0: Yeah. Also, the canning process apparently takes care of that. Hmm. So if you're ever getting bamboo shoots out of a can, they're good to go. Well, they've already been boiled before the canning part anyway, right? Probably.
1: But, you know, we've talked about this before. How do people figure this stuff out? Who tried to eat that first bamboo and was like, I'm not feeling so... Well, I guess, you know, if you got a small enough amount of cyanide, it wouldn't kill you. So maybe they figured out, well, it kind of hurts my tummy if I make
0: it without boiling it, you know? Yeah, I mean... Those poor people, but yeah. you get hungry enough, someone's going to try it yeah. and then you all learn. But yeah, that'd be, that might be one way to do it. Little pieces. Yeah. If you get a little bit sick, don't eat more. Yep. Well, to whoever figured that out, thank you. All those things, all the mushrooms, all the everything that we know which ones are good and which ones are bad. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. Especially for the bamboo because bamboo shoots are delicious. If you've never had one. Find some sort of Asian cuisine that uses bamboo shoots. There are all sorts of different types in all parts of Asia that use bamboo shoots. And they're
0: very popular specifically in Japanese Buddhist food, like monk food uses them a lot. Mm. Or for the food monks make, they use
1: bamboo shoots a lot. So in summary, throughout Japanese history, people have used bamboo in pretty much any way you could possibly imagine. And then some. If you visit museums in Japan, they have like old farming and cooking utensils and stuff. You're going to see a whole lot of
0: bamboo. So let's talk about the cultural significance of bamboo in Japan. Yeah, yeah.
1: In addition to the practical utilitarian stuff, bamboo is hugely important just in the culture,
0: the idea of bamboo. You can see it even as like a Shinto shrine. Bamboo is often planted as a sacred barrier against evil getting into the shrine grounds. Right. Many Buddhist temples also have bamboo groves.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're definitely common in Japanese gardens at religious places. hmm You can even see mentions of bamboo in the Japanese language, like in little idioms. There's a saying, Takeowata Yonahito, which means a man like fresh split bamboo, which refers to a frank, straightforward Type of person.
0: Yeah. I've got one. Hit me. Yabu Hebi. What does that mean? Well, Yabu is a bamboo grove and Hebi is a snake. Ah. Um So the meaning of it means you reap ill fortune from an unnecessary act. They think it comes from if you're poking at bamboo bushes, it may flush out a snake. Ah, I get
1: it. It took me a second to connect those ideas, but that makes sense. So it's
0: it's compared to like the expression let sleeping dogs lie i like it it's yeah. a good one yeah
1: you'll also see bamboo appearing in all sorts of paintings and literature there's even an ancient tale called taketori monogatari which translates to the tale of the bamboo cutter and this is the oldest narrative literature written in kana if you don't know what kana is go back and listen to our japanese language episode because that one that's pretty interesting The tale is also known as Kaguya-hime, or Princess Kaguya. And this tale is from the 10th century, pretty long time ago. Yeah. And uh, if if it's okay, I'd like to spend a moment telling this story, because I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. I'm not going to give the full thing with all the details, because that would take a very long time, but I'll give you the main points. So there was an old man, a bamboo cutter man. He cut down bamboo. And one day he saw a bamboo stalk that was shining. So he's thinking, what's up with this bamboo? There's something weird about this one. So he goes and cuts that down, and he finds Kaguyahime, Princess Kaguya, inside of this bamboo stalk. She's really tiny, just like the size of his thumb. And so he takes her home, and he and his wife raise her into a beautiful young woman. And ever since the day that he found her, every time he cuts down bamboo, he would find a nugget of gold Inside the bamboo. So he became super rich. So tales of this woman's beauty spread all over the place. She has many suitors come by to ask for her hand in marriage, but she never marries. Even when these five princes come to ask for her hand in marriage. That's
0: my favorite part of the story. Yeah,
1: it's hilarious. (laughs) She gives them each a task. And she's like, if you complete this task, then I'll marry you. But there's a kicker. These are
0: impossible tasks that <laughs> yeah. she gives them.
1: Yeah. There's no possible way they could complete these tasks. So some of them try to fool her and like come back with fake proof of the task, but none of them could do it. So she doesn't marry any of them. Even the emperor heard of her beauty. He came to visit her and he fell in love. But did she marry him? No.
0: She friend zoned. The emperor. Yeah, it's hilarious. They like stayed in contact, you know, they like wrote letters to each other, but she's like, that's as far as we're going. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) They were apparently dear friends until, uh, until the end, but no luck for the emperor. So what happened to her? So her parents, her adoptive parents noticed that every time she saw the full moon, her eyes filled with tears, but she wouldn't tell them what was wrong. Eventually she revealed that the moon was her home. And that she had to return to her people. And there are different versions of the tale that explain why she came to Earth. One of my favorite ones is that she was sent to Earth to keep her safe from a celestial war. Ooh, that okay. Fun? That's a good reason. Yeah. So eventually, during a full moon, an embassy of heavenly beings arrived at the door to take her back home. Everybody was very sad. She was sad. She wrote letters of apology to the emperor and her parents. And with her letter to the emperor, she attached some elixir of life, like of immortality to the letter so that he could live forever. But when he received the letter and the elixir, he decided he didn't want to live forever if he couldn't spend his life with her. Very sad.
0: This is starting to sound like a Greek tragedy.
1: Yeah. So he asked his servants, what mountain is closest to heaven? And a servant replied, the great mountain of Sugura province, which is where Mount Fuji is located. So the emperor told his servants to take the letter and the elixir to the peak and burn them in hopes that the smoke would reach her in her her moon home. So the legend says that the word for immortality, Fushi, became the name of the mountain, Mount Fuji, and that you could still see the smoke from the letter rising from the mountain. Because remember, this story is back from the 10th century Back then, Mount Fuji was much more active, so there was actually smoke rising from the mountain.
0: Yeah, like almost all the time.
1: Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Such a cool story. That is a cool story. The best part is that this is like the first example of science fiction in Japan. 10th century science fiction. She was an alien from the moon. <laughs> I love it.
0: I suppose if you think about it that way.
1: What other way is there to think of
0: it? Uh, she's like some sort of goddess or something. No, moon alien, Paul. Okay, moon alien. Moon alien. I like that better. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that uh, bamboo is a symbol of prosperity in Japan. Yes. I heard that comes from the fact that it's a really strong plant with a very sturdy root structure.
1: Yep, that makes sense. Bamboo also plays a part in a lot of different types of festivals. For example, on Tanabata, which we mentioned in our Matsuri episode, Mm -hmm. that's on July 7th. And people write wishes on a strip of paper and they hang their strips of paper from bamboo grass, which is called sasa, the grass, grassy type of bamboo.
0: Yeah. And bamboo, I mentioned earlier, was planted at shrines to ward off evil, Mm -hmm. but it's also used in all sorts of festivals and rituals in different ways as something that wards off evil. Yeah, so it's just wherever you've got bamboo, it it fights against evil for you. Yeah,
1: Paul, did you read about the three friends of winter?
0: Yeah, Shou Chiku Bai, the pine, the bamboo, and the plum. Right,
1: and this is a combination symbolizing long life, hardiness, and vitality. And this combination of these three things came from a Chinese art motif. Actually, in Japan, it's used in art, but also in restaurants to indicate different price levels and quality for set meals. So like you'll go into a restaurant and they'll give you a menu and there are just three options. You got your pine, your bamboo, and your plum. And a lot of times they're labeled those even without a price. just So you can kind of tell them
0: apart. Like, okay, this one's going to be most expensive. This one will be cheapest. Yep. Yep. The uh, pine stands for longevity and endurance. The bamboo for flexibility and strength. And the plum represents a young spirit. Mm-hmm. So the plum is the lowest on that scale, right? <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. I also thought it was cool how much bamboo works its way into the Japanese tea ceremony. How's that involved? Well, a lot of different utensils that are involved in the tea ceremony are made out of bamboo. Mm. There's actually a 16th century tea master named no Rikyu who pushed for a very natural minimalist kind of style for the tea ceremony and helped establish a distinct Japanese style of bamboo crafts because the idea of these bamboo crafts came from China originally but this kind of solidified a more Japanese style so they use bamboo to make the whisks for whisking matcha into water Mm -hmm. they use it to make tea scoops for like measuring out little scoops of tea okay and I love this traditionally tea masters would carve their own tea scoops. They would give them a name, and then they had these special little bamboo storage tubes that they would keep their little scoop in. And they would, they would often inscribe the name of their scoop on it. Isn't that cute? That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And besides all this, there are a whole bunch of bamboo, famous bamboo groves in Japan, just known for their beauty. Like they're just a beautiful place to walk around and you know be at peace with the bamboo and they make a really nice sound as the wind blows through them and they're knocking against each other. There's a very beautiful one, a very, very famous one, perhaps the most famous one in Arashiyama. Paul, you and I visited that one.
0: Yeah, it's quite impressive. Mm -hmm. It's very popular. Lots of people there. It's hard to get like a good clean shot of the bamboo or whatever, but just being there and enjoying it is, it's really cool. Yeah. I just like it. There's something peaceful about it. Yeah. It's like rustling grass, except the grass is like 50 feet tall, <laughs> swaying in the wind. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And instead of a rustling sort of sound,
1: once in a while you hear a bonk sort of sound when they <laughs> tap against each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you want to visit that bamboo grove, definitely go there very early in the morning before
0: all the tourists show up. Yeah. If you want to get pictures or enjoy it more peacefully. Yeah.
1: So that's all I have about bamboo. The miracle plant. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's all you need to know. It's the miracle plant.
1: Yep. We could have just done a five second episode. Bamboo, the miracle plant, the end. Does everything.
0: Yep. All right. Well,
1: if you want to see some pictures of bamboo, I know there's some on our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. And what is our next episode, Paul? On the next
0: episode, we are going to be recapping Jason's trip to Japan. That sounds fun. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Get to hear about everything you did, and I know you packed a lot in. I did, a whole lot. We're going to cover
1: pretty much all of it, some of it more briefly than other parts, because it would take hours and hours. I could talk about that trip forever. It was so much fun.
0: Yeah, so we'll dive
1: into that next. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.